Welcome to Blood and Spirit, the podcast for Black families evolving. I'm your host, Njame Ali, and my guest today is Kitwana Pancel Lott. Kitwana is pursuing a degree in naturopathic and Chinese medicine at the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon. She manages the demanding schedule of her coursework while raising three brilliant children with her husband. This dynamic millennial woman already holds a master's degree in business from FAMU in Tallahassee and a culinary arts degree from the International Culinary School in Denver, Colorado. The best part is that I can claim ownership of some of that spectacular DNA. Kitwana is also my niece. Welcome to Blood and Spirit Podcast, Kitwana. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, yeah, and I'm excited to have you. Uh, We're continuing with season one which is about exploring family culture in Albany, Georgia. And although you were born and raised in Maryland in the DC metro area, you hold a claim to Albany because one of your parents is my sister, who is of course an Albany native. Yep. And I do wanna talk about how the family culture that your mom experienced impacted your life, but first, tell me how you managed to get so much done. <laughs> Um, it's really funny that you would say that because I don't feel like I get a lot done. Oh my Lord. I don't. On a day-to-day basis, I have a laundry list of things that I expect to get done and very <laughs> do I knock even half of that list off. So I don't know. That's a good question. Um, well, you know, uh, when you say that you, you say you don't quite know that, but one of the things I've always admired about you you know, you had those times when you were at FAMU when you would come and spend, you know, some time here with, mm-hmm. with Lynn, um, your grandma, my mom. Mm-hmm. And I always admired the timing that you were able to maintain. And that's kind of like my niece. It reminds me of my niece, my grandma, your great grandma. Mm-hmm. And because as much as she got done in a day, she always had time to relax. And you didn't see her rushing around. Mm-hmm. He just had that that capacity to time herself and be regular and get things done correctly. So, yeah. so it, you, it just may be coming out of your blood and bones. I think so, because I hear that on a fairly regular basis that I'm very productive. And so I don't know exactly, <laughs> what, <laughs> exactly what I'm doing. I do make a lot of lists. That uh-huh. is make a lot of lists and there's always in my brain the next thing mm-hmm. that I'm trying to get done and mm-hmm. so I think probably pretty early on the stepwise um, completion of projects was instilled or I gathered that up from somewhere that okay you have to do a b and c and then you can get to the next step and so I'm always trying to move through the a the b and the c to get uh-huh. to the- so you you're you're seeing C ahead of the game. Absolutely. You are getting ready for A and B to come in there and help uh, make that happen. For sure. That's that's kind of how I roll. That's how I roll for most things. I think is that I'm very goal oriented, and so rarely am I only thinking about what's happening here and now, which could be you know for good or for bad, just the way the my brain works. Mm-hmm. So yeah. tell me about this degree you're working on. You you already have your uh, naturopath. I mean your um your business degree. Mm-hmm. You have um the culinary arts degree. Yeah. How is all that gonna come together for you? So I, my goal when I was a little kid, I always said, oh, I want to be a few things, right? And I wanted to be a chef, and I wanted to be a doctor, and I wanted to be a lawyer. And so when I went and did culinary school, that was like a really big deal for me. That was a really big goal of mine, but I never thought that it would be the only thing. It was always a step in this ultimate goal of really trying to help people, you know, for lack of a better phrase, live their best life. I know Mm -hmm. that's a big thing right now is people living their best life, but Mm -hmm. back before that was a catchphrase, it was really, I thought it was really important that people were healthy and I didn't see how people could be healthy without food because, you know, you eat every single day and the food you put in plays a really big role in how you feel. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I wanted to, I like training. 
let me preface it by saying I really am a fan of being well-trained at Uh stuff. And so culinary school for me was a step in not just knowing how to cook, but knowing how to use food in a lot of different ways. And so short of having to experiment for, you know, maybe a really long time, I could just go to culinary school and really learn how, what's the basic, like, how do you, how do people make spectacular plates of food look like that? You know, they Mm -hmm. had to learn from somewhere. And so if I was going to make food be appealing for a medicinal purpose, then I needed to learn the basics. And so that's why I did culinary school. It was definitely just a step in my process. And so my ultimate goal is likely to have a a center for health and healing. Mm -hmm. Food is, is a part of the process, not just an afterthought. Mm-hmm. So, so that business degree is gonna gonna be right up under all of that, helping you show you how to how to handle the business side of things. Exactly. Yep, that's my goal. <laughs> so now, how y- your children? Tell us how old your children are. Right now. My oldest is five years old, just turned five, and my middle babe is two years old, and the baby baby is seven months old. Amazing. You know, when I had small children, well, I did work, but work was was right near home. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, a whole take them someplace, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, they're in childcare, correct? In school, school and Mm -hmm. childcare. And um, that just was not a thing. You know, work for me was right next door. Sister Jewel took care of the children. Mm -hmm. And I could just get up and walk out of the door without you know, all of the activity that goes with, with that for you. So, so tell me about that activity. How does, how, what's a typical morning for you like? Okay. In my dream, (laughs) I wake wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Um, In reality, I tend to wake up now at about five thirty-five, four, sliding toward five forty-five, And then, that's after having breastfed the littlest one, you know, whenever he wakes up in the middle of the night. So mm-hmm. doing that. So then we get up, I'll get dressed, make breakfast, and then the little kitties are starting to wake up. So um, my husband will get them dressed and then they'll come downstairs and hopefully if Go hubby. Woohoo. Go hubby. <laughs> this is a team. We can't nobody can do every element. So he brings them down and then it's breakfast time. And then it's approximately 20 minutes of coaxing everybody to go to the bathroom and then put their shoes on, put their coats on, get in the car, stop bothering with this person. <laughs> say you love this person, you know, say you love you, say see you later. Who's going to ride with, are you going to take me to school today? Who am I riding with? You right. know, that conversation. And then everybody gets dropped off and then I go to class and then class is essentially from nine, let's just say nine o'clock. And then some days it's four, some days it's six, some days it's eight 30. So that's it's a whole gig. You, I mean, your, your yeah. school is like a whole job. For real. It is. There's wow. no, it's, it's intense. Just the program alone, even if yeah. you're single and by yourself, you yeah. spend essentially 10 to 12 hour days at school every day. Incredible. And is there homework? You have to go home and do additional work? There is homework. Yup. <laughs> There's homework. <laughs> there are clinic shifts and there are projects and there's just the practical part of it's not for Chinese medicine, especially it's not just learning the book stuff. Mm-hmm. There's like a practical application of, the inner working of how like your own inner work yeah. that you're supposed to be doing. And then for naturopathic medicine, it's the, you have to know how to do physical exams and you have to know how to do a patient interview, you know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you can leave, but it never feels done. Right. right. When right. you have a job, you can say, I'm done. And I go right. home. Right. But with this, you go home and there's still more mm-hmm. <laughs> to consider. So. Do you find that that requirement for you to do, um, for you to apply your Chinese medicine, do you find that it, it helps you in the course of your study to actually keep yourself in balance? 
I think it's a really good theoretical proposition. Mm -hmm. I think that if you're just a Chinese medicine student, it works really well. Mm -hmm. If you're on like a four-year program track, if you're in a five-year program track, I think it works even better because you have even more time because your classes are spread out more. Mm -hmm. As a dual degree student, no, I don't think so. (laughs) Because something else to do. Right. It's just something else to do. And mm-hmm. it, it's another thing that you can either be doing or you're supposed to be doing it and you're not. Right? Mm-hmm. So it, mm-hmm. it can, it, it, no. Well, <laughs> we seem to maintain, you know, a, a great level of serenity. And I know that, you know, from the outside that can, it, you know, there, there is a stress, there is a stress mm-hmm. level, you know, in what you're doing. Um, because there's that, Um, The thing that mothers do, which is, if you're not with your children, I should be with my children. If I'm not doing my work, I should be doing my work, you know, so it's always that, that Mm -hmm. pull inside. How do you Mm -hmm. manage that? Crickets. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. I say it out loud a lot, I think. You say out loud what it is that you're feeling? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Uh I do that a lot. There's a lot of conversation between um, Shay and I, me and Shay, Shay and I, you know what I'm saying. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Throw down in that, that would be appropriate right there. Um, We have a lot of conversations and I talk about it. What I feel is ad nauseum, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I'm so tired. Oh man, I'm supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z, but you know, the kiddos need this or you know, I'm doing this for school, but something else. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. I talk about it a, a lot. And another thing is I try to, as much as possible, talk about what we're grateful for. Mm-hmm. Because it does shift for me. It shifts me out of a space of I'm upset about what's going on or I'm dissatisfied with what's going on to, you know what? It's really not that bad. Right. You know? A lot of things that are going really well, more so than not so well. And so if we make it a habit as a group to talk about what we're grateful for, it'll be a little bit easier for everybody to come out of the inevitable funk, you know, that we can get in because, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Is this something that uh, came from your from from your home, your growing up home? That type of you know speaking on what you're feeling and you know the gratitude. What what are some of those principles that you grew up with that that you've been able to incorporate into your daily life now? Yes, definitely. Um, my mom had a rule: you have 15 minutes or so, give or take, up or down, <laughs> um, to kind of be in it, whatever it was, and right. then get on with it right okay, and so it's okay. very important that you absolutely have a right to feel what you feel but if it's negative quote unquote, you know negative not pleasant mad angry whatever right you had to kind of move on right mm-hmm. and you if you put a time limit on it it lets you just it reminds you that it's finite right you can't just stay there because if you do it gets difficult to come out of it mm-hmm. and so I think that was a really big lesson then and I think it stuck with me that okay we can do it but let's let's put a time limit on it right and it's not it's not a literal 15 minutes but because mm-hmm. sometimes the 15 minutes comes and goes and then you still feel it and right. so you go back for 15 right. minutes <laughs> of feeling you know pissed or whatever right so yeah that was a big lesson I think that's 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 wonderful you know it's like you feel what you feel and let's move on because right. you know we're not going to live there we that's not the place that you actually want to live I'm exactly sure. yeah. yeah so i think that's a big one and i think it's probably one of the more critical lessons to learn is that you can feel whatever you want and that's valid um but some things you just don't need to stay stuck in right, right? that right. it's not worth it so Especially if it's uncomfortable and it's something that you can do something about, like, right away. So what have you, have you added to some of those principles in your household? You know, um, you're brilliant, for sure. Absolutely. Thank you. 
Your children are spectacular. They are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, their their agency, their ability to to speak, as you said, what's on their minds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because you created, uh, I'm hearing you say that you've created a family culture of communicating about how you feel in the moment. So they don't have to resort to acting out how they feel. They can speak on how they feel. Not that they don't act out, act out as well, right. because, you know, they are little children. Mm-hmm. And if they get, you know, too analytical, we, you know, we're worried. Right. But, <laughs> but, but they, and that's the thing about them, that they are um, engaging and engaged, you know, at the mm-hmm. same time. So have you added anything or is this just the evolution of, of DNA and culture, you know, w- without any specific additions? I think it's both. I do think that there is an evolution of it that is, I don't have that much to do with it, except that I'm their mom, right? I'm their mom and their dad is their dad. So they do have parts of it that they just got, um, especially I think with how they regard each other. I think mm-hmm. that's just, they got that and so they get it, right? Mm-hmm. So they're just, sometimes some people get some things, other people get other things. Well, they mm-hmm. got that thing, right? Mm-hmm. Whether they're kind, they regard each other well and they, they are quite verbal, right? They're very verbal children. But I think what we one thing that I've noticed that we do a lot is talk about what we've learned about them individually as kids to Mm -hmm. each other as parents and then try to apply it. For example, um, and I I think I shared this with you and, you know, the, when we did our little questions Mm -hmm. about something that I had learned about our oldest kiddo um, and needing to be heard. Right. Sometimes when they're little, they don't speak as fast as adults do, right? They can, they can have all the words, but they, it just doesn't come out as fast sometimes mm-hmm. because we are busy. Sometimes you get the urge to say, okay, okay, come on. Right. You know, right. Get it out, get it out faster, get yeah. it out so you can be on my time. Right? right. And I realized during a conversation, she just needs to go at her pace mm-hmm. to get the whole story out. Right. And so, Stopping myself and saying, okay, what else? I'm going to let you get it all out. And just, Mm -hmm. you know, straight on, I'm going to let you get it all out. You tell me what you need me to know. Mm -hmm. And that's a phrase we use a lot around here is tell me what you need me to know. Mm -hmm. Right? Versus say what you got to say or what it, you know. Right, right, right. It's just tell me what you need me to know. Mm -hmm. Ask for what you want. And so in that, in one conversation, letting her get it all the way out, and it was a good five, five to seven minutes of just talking mm-hmm. of what her perspective wow. was. Wow. Right? It was one situation of, and then this happened, and then that happened. Okay. And then what else? And then this happened, you know, and she kept going and she kept going. Mm-hmm. And finally she said, and that's it. And I said, Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So she got to a place of completion in her own mind. And then I said, okay, I'm going to tell you what I heard, what I saw and what I think. Right. So that covers it. Cause I'm not going to be able to hear it all. I won't see it all. And, but here's what I think. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you what those things are. And so we had a whole real conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. That's precious. Yeah. And I, and I said, she felt the urge too to interrupt me. And I was able to say to her, okay, but I didn't interrupt you, right? So let me get it out. And she said, okay, I'm gonna let you get it out. Wow. And she was able to extend that same thing to her sister because her sister had something to say, right? Right. (laughs) She said, okay. I said, she wants to say something. She said, okay, I'm gonna let you get it all out. So, So it was a lesson in kindness and then a lesson in somebody else has something to say too. We can respect that and listen, right? And it doesn't matter if we don't agree. We can still let that other person get it all out. Right, right. So that for me was illustrative of slowing down to a child's pace mm-hmm. and letting and being there with them, right? Mm-hmm. Right there, nowhere else, and letting her get it all out. That's I think, beautiful. Yeah, I thought it was really therapeutic and it opened up for me it reminded me to say, okay, 
she's got all the things, right? She got, she's got the words. She knows how to express it. She knows what she wants to say. Yeah. All she needs is the time and the space to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's it. Not that she was right about everything. That wasn't the issue. Right. It was simply that she needed to say it. Right. And so I think that was, I think that that has gone to another level, even more so than what I experienced as a child. Right. Because I thought Mm -hmm. my voice was important. But I think this is a deeper facilitation of letting someone's voice be heard. Mm -hmm. That's um, that's good stuff. And speak in in terms of allowing children to to speak and have their agency over their uh, time, space and body to some degree. What's your take on corporal punishment? I'm not into it. Mm-hmm. I'm not into it. Mm-hmm. I, I, it never really made sense to me mm-hmm. to try to teach someone. I don't know. I just always figured, well, if you're going to hit me, then why I can't hit other people? Right. Just, it doesn't make sense to my brain. Mm-hmm. Not that it cannot be effective, right? Not that some people cannot use it effectively and not come out on the other side with issues. Plenty of people have had corporal punishment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's no problem. Right. But for me, it doesn't make sense. And if we are living in a violent time and space, I don't see why I want to introduce what to me most of the time seems like more violence Violence. into a space that's supposed to be peaceful absolutely yeah that's my take on it i think that's a that's a really um clear statement and it's um and i like the fact that it's a personal statement it's not um you know parents shouldn't spank their children parents spank their children and um so that that speaks to uh speaks a lot about, uh, I think, the level of agency that your children have, because I, you know, I have to do some additional research, but I really, really, from, from the initial research that I've done, um, it appears that spanking is not a widespread, of children, is not a widespread um, practice in Africa. Hmm. Um, that that's something that, that really has grown out of our experience here on the shores of North America, where it was really important to, to protect children from um, not spanking, but, you know, damaging right. um, uh, physical punishment, mm-hmm. or, particularly for them wanting to be free. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was usually, you know, where the most punishment came in when a, when a person wanted to express, you know, their desire for freedom. Right. So, um, what are some of the, well, let me ask you this. Did you grow up with a notion that there were some things that you wanted to change about your family life then? Hmm. That's a good question. I think probably, I think probably. I don't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that it was perfect. Um, but what specifically they were, I don't know. Right. I think, you go. I'm going to think about this. No, you go. You keep, keep, keep going. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I think prob- <laughs> probably it would have been, I think at times, I think that I would have liked to have seen more, I don't know, more outright emotional responses from probably my mom, mm-hmm. right? Because she's very cool. Right, right, <laughs> right. And I think there were probably times where I was just thinking, right? give me more, <laughs> give me more. <laughs> Not that we didn't laugh and, you know what I'm saying? Right, just, right. But just, you know, yeah, emotes. Yeah, a little Get bit. Mad, hit something, yeah. you know. Yeah, but she was. She always. That's her. She's very cool. Right. right. She's very 
she's very cool there's no other way to describe it she's she's got it right she's mm-hmm. she's cool she is logical she mm-hmm. is um sensitive she's all the things mm-hmm. and so when you put all that together you don't need all that right but right. in my mind i would have at times i thought that it would have been nice to see more you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well did, um, did your dad provide that balance did he give yes, you yes he did <laughs> Yes, he did. <laughs> right. So, therefore, uh, it was probably quite appropriate that you know there was a balance, right? Right. Too. So, yeah. Cool. So, that's... what are some of the? Uh, you know, you talked about uh, those few minutes. Uh, you know, the few minutes that you had to be um, in in your in your funk or whatever kind of space mm-hmm. that you needed to be in, or you know, everybody. Uh, any other particular values that, that uh, really stuck with you that you that you recall? Yes. I always have been under the impression and truly believe that I am capable of doing anything, mm. really. And certainly that was instilled by my parents and mm-hmm. by the larger family, right? But I, I just can't wrap my, round, my mind around the notion that I cannot achieve things, right? right? <laughs> It just it doesn't compute for me, right? And so, and so, I see that in my kiddos. They are mm-hmm. certainly um, of the of the mindset that they can do it all and that they will do it all, right? Mm-hmm. And get, and they repeat some of the same things, like really, really frustrated and upset and can't understand why they're not getting something, which mm-hmm. I experience even to this day, like a deep level. Why am I not getting this? I yeah. can get anything. Right. right? I can absorb right. anything. So why am I not absorbing something? Right. right. And I'm very glad that they feel like that. Right. I think mm-hmm. that in this world we get beat up so much being black people. Mm-hmm. And not enough little black kids think that they can accomplish anything they want to. Mm-hmm. But there are regular conversations where they say, I'm a doctor, you're the doctor, you're the patient, or I'm the teacher, you're the student. You right. know. Tata's the doctor, you're the patient, you know, so there's right. always a conversation of, of doing things that, that they see happen in the world, exactly. they, you know, and they can do any, either one of those things. Yeah, exactly. And so for sure, I think that that was a familial grounding that, yep, mm-hmm. you can accomplish it. You can do it, whatever it is that there's hard work involved, right? Absolutely, but that you can do it. There's, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. So, so what sure. about religion and spirituality? What kind of role does that play? Has that played in your life? Um, my life personally, it's been a fairly big part of it, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think certainly our growing up, you know, we went to church. That was a big piece of it. Kind of knowing your understanding your endowment from God, knowing that, you know, God has given you certain gifts, certain abilities, talents that are yours to use productively and so you have to do that and the sense that god loves me right and Mm -hmm. god god has affection and kindness toward me and so that there are things that happen in my life that don't happen to other people simply because god loves me make you know what i mean and it's just a level of grace that we walk Mm -hmm. in 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 grace right Um, and so does he not love them does he not love other people? Right. Does God not I mean, the God? things do the things that happen to people are is that an indication of a lack of love from God? No, it's an indication to me that there are ways that God loves me specifically. Ah. That manifest as the little things that wow, can you believe that happened? Or whoa, that was a great you know that was a great idea that I never thought about before. Not that God doesn't love everybody. I certainly believe that. God does love everybody, but God's grace manifests differently for different mm-hmm. people, right? right. So it was just like, I love all my kiddos, but each of them needs a little bit something different. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's just the personal relationship Got it. versus I love it. You know, I love everybody, all, of, all three of them, mm-hmm. but it shows up differently because they're different people. Absolutely. Do you make a distinction between religion and spirituality? I think there is a difference. So yes, I do. What's what's the difference for you? Right. Religion is the doctrine, kind of the guidelines that 
work to to make a group of people kind of fit together mm-hmm. so you know you have your congregation of the church and you have your group so that you kind of all align generally not everybody doesn't have to buy into every single thing but generally speaking everybody's got buy-in to this set of rules and norms and procedures but the spirit is how you have your one-on-one connection with god or mm-hmm. whomever whoever you call it um and so for me the spirit especially right now my spirit is connected to god but i don't have a like a congregation mm-hmm. right? i have found a congregation where i am where i feel the spirit move mm-hmm. so difference right i haven't found a religious gathering here physically here mm-hmm. that that where i feel like the spirit is is freely mobile wow yeah. well you know you are definitely freely mobile you have <laughs> you know, born and raised in dc metro area school in at famu in florida which is where your dad is from so you know there is you know there's some reasoning there I mean, you know, other than the fact that it's a good school and right. uh, you got lots of money to go there, so right. <laughs> All important things. All important details. Yeah. And uh, then, um, then your culinary arts school in Colorado. Now, uh, your 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 natural medicine and Chinese medicine school in Oregon, and you traveled abroad. So in all of these travels, have you had an opportunity to see, um, like to really be able to observe how other families operate? You know, I know you weren't there for very long periods of time at one, but were you able to see how other people operate and and have a sense of how that fits with where you come from and even where you want to go? Yeah, I think when we, when I went to Tanzania, I did that. I think the first summer after I got out here and spent, I think it was a total of, I think I was there for eight weeks. And so during that time, we got to stay in the village and that was pretty cool. And yes, I did see family dynamics there. Still noted that a lot of the things that I see in the U.S., I saw there too, right? Um, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. So women were still leading the charge kind okay. of the dayness of existence for family units mm-hmm. um, and men were still kind of taking the the role at least in title the titular role of being in charge mm-hmm. but that the practicality of a family's existence was still the woman so the food preparation the caring for the children the managing of like livestock and mm-hmm gaining outside funds for a family was still the women. The women were the ones in the market selling whatever, the fruit or the wares or the whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the men were a lot of times sitting around. That is what I saw. Okay. They were in charge, <laughs> but they were sitting around. <laughs> okay. Which I was, I said, well, okay. <laughs> right. Okay, so it's not just, here right it's not just here where you see men and i'm not just gonna say black men but men in general sitting at the table outside with the cups and shooting the breeze and playing games and having the fun Mm -hmm. and the day is tick 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 ticking on by and women are doing work you know and you you would see women and their daughters walking to markets and walking to wash clothes and i was like well goodness (laughs) <laughs> no wonder this is not you know this isn't different what I see at home is not different and mm-hmm. so for a little bit of it I found a little bit of comfort in it and said you know what we're all playing the same it's the same thing same drama. yeah it's all the same the placement is different and perhaps some of the intricacies are different but overarching scene is the same mm-hmm. um so yeah so um, was there anything that you were able to take from that that you wanted to actually use or that was just observations of the, of the dynamics? Um, it was definitely an observation of the dynamic. It definitely makes me want to be extra vocal about what I want and need. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it definitely makes me want to make my girls very vocal about what they want and need mm-hmm. because I don't want it's fine if you choose right a choice right. Is a choice I just like um knowledge-based choices mm-hmm. I just want people to have knowledge-based choices and so um so I think the takeaway for me was you have to be vocal about what you want you see the way families can play out. You see how relationships can play out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to be vocal about what you want and what you need, because if you don't, you cannot be upset if people don't abide. Don't what you right, exactly. Because they don't know. We right. can't make the assumption that they know. And I also, in my travels, especially in white places, have just really loved to see how Black people move and have their being no matter where they are. Wow. It's just just really beautiful to Mm -hmm. to go to like a traditionally European country, but you see Black people speaking four or five languages and, Mm -hmm. you know, just like being so authentically Black. Mm -hmm. just doing it, right? Can, right? And not that it's any easier. It's not. It's it's no easier anywhere else. Just They just don't call it racism in other places, right? They just they just don't call it that, but they're still doing it. It's still okay. the same actions. Okay. But just Black people just doing their thing and really, mm-hmm. I don't know, I find it really refreshing and I find it really neat to be able to just watch how cool and how many different ways people can be Black. Right. (laughs) It is that that feels good. I can feel that. I feel that uh, in my blood as you're speaking. Yeah. And so um, now Shay, you has he he participates. He participates in the in the day to day, you know, making making life go, you know, with the family. He does hair. He um, he cooks. Right. Not so much. Not so much. He um he can he can he can right he, can he has his designated days Saturday morning is his okay. day where everybody knows even though they have to be reminded that uh-huh. this is Tata's day okay so okay he cooks the whole day Saturday morning Saturday morning okay <laughs> all right great <laughs> so he has to deal with Friday night dinner and mm-hmm. Saturday morning breakfast that's okay. it okay well that is that is um progress yeah i I would say you know and but you're comfortable you're comfortable with the cooking but but his um his participation uh that i have been able to witness Mm -hmm. um with the children and and the capacity to uh interact and communicate with them i say is is pretty high level um it's pretty high level, particularly compared with um, other interactions that I've seen between fathers and children. I think he has uh, has that ability to be in the mix, because sometimes sometimes a father figure is somewhat a little bit di- distant from the center of the um, the daily affairs of the mm-hmm. family. But he, he's he's really you know all in the mix. So how would you evaluate? um his his participation and as you know like as you spoke about you know the women driving the the energy of moving the family um through you know on the day-to-day how how would you evaluate his um capacity in that arena and participation participation wise i think he's top-notch let me preface i think he's a top-notch kind of guy honestly I definitely think that he is participatory, he is loving, he is caring, he is a part of a decision-making duo, Mm -hmm. um, and more often than not, quite open to constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of participation, he, he has been a part of each one of their processes as they have gone through their, you know, early childhood education, like in terms of daycare to preschool. I mean, that's where we are right now, still in preschool, mm-hmm. but, you know, been present. So participated in classroom activities and, and drop off and pick up and, you know, set up meetings with teachers and staff members, if ever there was a need and 
has really been committed to the idea that we are to be a presence wherever the children are, we are mm-hmm. a presence as their mm-hmm. protectors and providers. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that. In term, and what was the next thing? Participation. Oh, his, his participation and, and capacity in that, in that arena. Oh yeah, I think he's got a great capacity. I think he, in terms of his presence, he definitely is not just kind of that brooding figure in the background. Mm-hmm. He definitely will, you know, laugh and play and get rough and get down on the floor and, mm-hmm. and just be with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't, he's not of the, the ilk to kind of just leave them to their own devices. He gets in there and, mm-hmm. and participates. So, yeah. What would be your ideal um, kind of place to actually um, settle down? You know, you, you mentioned that you haven't found that, that, that um, church congregation, that congregatory um, mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. You where you are right now. What would be the, how would you describe the kind of place where you really would want to actually uh, settle down and, and make your home? It's got to be blacker than where we are right now. <laughs> I mean, that is, we talk about this like almost every week, multiple times a week. We've got to live with them. Because I just, I, neither one of us can even really conceptualize raising from infancy to teen, late teens children black children in a place where there are so few black people mm-hmm. where the black people that are here um seem disconnected from mm-hmm. their blackness mm-hmm. um and all the the images are largely televised right mm-hmm. that's it you just but the, by and large they're not black teachers mm-hmm. by and large the the black professionals are few and far between you look you don't see them mm-hmm. if you do see them they're disconnected uh, so it's just it's not a place so that's the number one criteria is criterion is is this place filled with positive black images mm-hmm. right not that it has to be perfect neither one of us right. is looking for perfection but more images of black people doing all kinds of things, professional mm-hmm. careers, entertainment careers, you know, blue collar work, white collar work, mm-hmm. where even if the dad is stay at home, is the mom stay at home, you know, all kind of the breadth of black right. women, right. that's right. what we want to see um, on a day-to-day basis, meaning we don't have to look really, really, really hard to find mm-hmm. it. And right where we are right now, we have to look really, really hard. So um, how do you provide those images right now? I mean, I know, you know, the home life, you know, for little children, of course, is, is you know, their world. Sure. But they're also seeing, seeing images. Exactly. Um, and they're so, seeing other people. So how do exactly. you... Exactly. Exactly. So it's a small part of it, but they annually visit their family members mm-hmm. by themselves. Oh, yes. And we had such a fabulous time. Yeah. When they yeah. were here. Exactly. And not just visits like that where we're there with them, but mm-hmm. for example, they visit both of their grandmothers mm-hmm. annually and they stay for a week at a time, mm-hmm. right? And both of their grandmothers live in places where there are more Black people, right. where they can see more Black people. And, you know, this kind of notion that kids don't recognize this kind of stuff is foolish because my oldest has said several times, wow. There's a lot of black people here. <laughs> okay. There's more black people. Why don't we live around so many right. people? You know? So that's one thing that we do. Um, the other thing, all their books. Mm-hmm. If there is a person in their books, the person is black. Mm, okay. Um, we just don't we don't buy books with images of non black protagonists by and large unless it's an animal right because a lot of kids books are animals so that's fine Um, but the little people the characters that they're seeing have brown skin and -hmm. they have pictures of girls who have natural hair Mm -hmm. and of little boys who are doing you know doing things exploring in science and math and the arts because that's what we want them to think is normal we're just Mm -hmm. trying to normalize um the fullness of who they are and who exactly. they can be. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's, yeah, their library for sure 
is a they have so many books it's insane i mean it's really <laughs> ridiculous they're piled up under their bed right now because they cleaned up in quotation <laughs> <laughs> they cleaned up one day and right. so now the books are in piles under the bed and and i say to them wow we are really lucky that you have so many books and mm-hmm. so many books that are little black characters mm-hmm. and not just in english but in french too so oh. it makes super happy that they can see blackness and the black people are speaking a different language. And they're language. learning French too, aren't they? Right. They are That's learning. So French. cool. That is totally yeah. cool. I, yeah. I mean, um, as Americans, I think we're probably some of the, some of the least bilingual people on the planet, you know? I know. It's true. <laughs> and so I'm, it's, and it's funny because we have a, you know, a, there's a girl at my school whose husband is, um, Tanzanian and so we you know have talked with him about doing Swahili camp and I've talked with her teacher about doing a little Swahili camp for them so they can mm-hmm. get another language and just opening their ear up to yeah. other languages so they know oh black people speak all kinds of languages and I can get into it right I can get yeah. into the mix so yeah well, let me say that um, it, it's it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure being um, with you, with your family, um, seeing you uh, be a young woman growing up. I mean, when when your face came on the screen today, I was like, oh my goodness, look at you growing. <laughs> I mean, just like really being in your body, being um, present for your life, and you know, present for your children, present for your husband present for your career that's you know that that's just fantastic i just i love it i appreciate it and i have one last question for you before we go okay and that is what do you is your um five-year vision for your family okay in five years time and this is a this is really optimistic and this is what i'm really in my heart of hearts, this is what I would want to be happening. In five years, I will have graduated, successfully graduated from my program mm-hmm. um, and be fully licensed in both acupuncture and naturopathic medicine. Um, and then we will have moved overseas to, oh, live, in, oh, wow. to live in a French-speaking country <gasps> so that um, I can be fully fluent and so that the kiddos can be fully exposed to the language um, on a daily basis and be practicing either acupuncture or naturopathic medicine um, or some some branch you know spinoff thereof where I can use those skills and then um, Shay will be working in his capacity as a clinical psychologist wherever we are Mm -hmm. Um, so whether that's um, on the continent, like, or if it's in France proper, or on in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very open in that regard. But I, I am very settled that I want to be living um, in a French-speaking country. In, that is in so fabulous! I had no idea. I'm so glad I asked you that. I did not know that that was um, part of your your five-year plan. Mm-hmm. And what, what countries in the Caribbean? Um, I think Haiti speaks French, correct? Correct. So Haiti speaks French, and then um, Martinique speaks French, French Guyana, and then I think there's a couple more that now that we're talking about it, I can't mm-hmm. think of. Okay. But those for sure, the ones that are... Oh, the French Antilles, that's coming to yes. mind. Okay. And then um, St. Martin, half the island is Dutch and half is French. Okay. And so those islands definitely do. And then the Ivory Coast and then kind of the surrounding countries right around there mm-hmm. speak French. Rwanda speaks French. I didn't know Rwanda. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. I remember. And then actually some islands in the Pacific the Pacific Islands, some of those mm-hmm. islands, they also speak French. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be, oh, I would certainly be open. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I have seen your your home in um in not in Oregon, but you know in the or in that metro area, in the Portland metro area, and um but I missed your home in Denver when you were living there. I know. And, uh, so, but I won't miss the next one. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
<laughs> I will definitely pull out, you know, my French um, tapes that I have. And uh, if you want me to, I'll sing the French national anthem, but I will, or, or, or I'll spare you that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to hear it. You One know, or babble, you know, I'll pull out all that stuff and be okay. ready to, to come and visit. I will definitely be in that place. It's, okay. Uh, and what was that you just said? I said, I want to hear it. Oh, God. Why did I say that? <laughs> Why did I say that? Okay. Alonso on de la patrie, la joie Contre nous de la tyrannie, l'état d'art sanglant élevé, l'état d'art sanglant élevé. Dans les campagnes, and I could go on, but I won't. <laughs> that is the only thing I remember from high school French, and that I don't not know why it stays in my brain. It is weird. That is very impressive. And now I'm going to go tell the kiddos that you know French. And so when we go, you're going to come. So. All right. All right. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure, as it always is, when we uh, gather together. And you have, um, I'm, I'm so happy to share your ideas, your thoughts. And at another time, I hope we'll be able to also share um, the children's actual words, you know, let folks really, really see that it's not just their auntie saying that they are fantastic. They really are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I agree with you. I say the same thing. I'm like, it's true. I'm right. Not it's not just me. It's right. not <laughs> so thank you so much, Kitwana, and uh, say hi and hugs to everybody and including Shay. And uh, we'll also be technical psychologist and he's going to provide some of that, um, that expert um, information and advice that we can use because we'll be talking to families not only about um, the successes but also the challenges mm-hmm. and how to you know what kinds of tools that they can put in place to meet those challenges and so you've given us a lot uh, he'll give us that from the from the psychology perspective and um, that's it for this edition of blood and spirit that's what it's about y'all have a great day bye-bye